Before the Fellowship was the greatest story you've never heard. I'm Dan. I'm Greg. I'm Cameron. Join us as we read and react to The Silmarillion by J.R.R. Tolkien. Last time we concluded the account of the beginning of days and began to read about the children of Iluvatar, elves and men. Elves are made more in the likeness of the Aina and their lives are specifically tied to the earth, whereas men have the gift the strange have been given strange gifts such as mortality and the power to shape their lives beyond the music of the Aina. Today we continue chapter 2 of the Quenta Silmarillion of Aule and Yavanna. It is told that in their beginning, the dwarves were made by Aule in the darkness of Middle-earth. For so greatly did Aule desire the coming of the children to have learners to whom he could teach his law and his crafts, and he was unwilling to wait for the fulfillment of the designs of Iluvatar. And Aule made the dwarves even as they were still are, because the forms of the children who were to come were unclear to his mind, and because the power of Melkor was yet over the earth. And he wished, therefore, that they should be strong and unyielding. But fearing that the other Valar might blame his work, he wrought in secret. He made first the seven fathers of the dwarves in a hall under the mountains in Middle-earth. Now Iluvatar knew what was done, and in the very hour that Aule's work was complete, and he was pleased, and began to instruct the dwarves in the speech which he had devised for them, Iluvatar spoke to him, and Aule heard his voice and was silent. And the voice of Iluvatar said to him, Why hast thou done this? Why dost thou attempt a thing which thou knowest is beyond thy power and thy authority, for thou hast from me as a gift thy own being only and no more, and therefore the creatures of thy hand and mind can live only by that being, moving when thou thinkest to move them, and if thy thought be elsewhere standing idle, is that thy desire? Then Aule answered, I did not desire such lordship. I desired things other than I am, to love and to teach them, so that they too might perceive the beauty of Ea, which thou hast caused to be. For it seemed to me that there is great room in ardor for many things that might rejoice in it, yet it is for the most part empty still and dumb. And in my impatience, I have fallen into folly. Yet the making of things is in my heart from my own making by thee. And the child of little understanding that makes play of the deeds of his father may do so without thought of mockery, but because he is the son of his father. But what shall I do now so that thou not be angry with me forever? As a child to his father, I offer to thee these things, the work of the hands which thou hast made. Do with them what thou wilt, but should I not rather destroy the work of my presumption? Then Aule took up a great hammer 
to smite the dwarves and wept. But Luvatar had compassion upon Aule and his desire because of his humility. And the dwarves shrank from the hammer and were afraid, and they bowed down their heads and begged for mercy. And the voice of Luvatar said to Aule, Thy offer I accept even as it was made. Dost thou not see that these things have now a life of their own and speak with their own voices? Else they would have not flinched from thy blow, nor from any command of thy will. Then Aule cast down his hammer and was glad, and he gave thanks to Iluvatar, saying, May Eru bless my work and amend it. But Iluvatar spoke again and said, Even as I gave being to the thoughts of the Aina at the beginning of the world, so now I have taken up thy desire and given to it a place therein. But in no other way will I amend thy handiwork, and as thou hast made it, so shall it be. But I will not suffer this, that these should come before the firstborn of my design, nor that thy impatience should be rewarded. They shall sleep now in the darkness under stone, and shall not come forth until the firstborn have woken upon the earth. And until that time, thou and they shall wait, though long it seem. But when the time comes, I will awaken them, and they shall be to thee as children. And often strife shall arise between thine and mine, the children of my adoption and the children of my choice. Then Aule took the seven fathers of the dwarves and laid them to rest in far-sundered places, and he returned to Valinor and waited while the long years lengthened. Since they were to come in the days of the power of Melkor, Aule made the dwarves strong to endure. Therefore they are stone-hard, stubborn, fast in friendship and in enmity, and they suffer toil and hunger and hurt of body more hardly than any other speaking peoples. And they live long, far beyond the span of men, yet not forever. Aforetime it was held among the elves in Middle-earth that dying, the dwarves returned to the earth and the stone which they were made. Yet that is not their own belief. For they say that Aule, the maker, whom they call Mahal, cares for them and gathers them to Mandos in halls set apart, and that he declared to their fathers of old that Iluvatar will hallow them and give them a place among the children in the end. Then their part shall be to serve Aule, and to aid him in the remaking of Arda after the last battle. They say also that the seven fathers of the dwarves return to live again in their own kin, and to bear once more their ancient names, of whom Durin was the most renowned in after ages, father of that kindred most friendly to the elves, whose mansions were at Kazakdum. Now, when Aule labored in the making of the dwarves, he kept this work hidden from the other Valar, but at last he opened his mind to Yavanna, 
and told her of all that had come to pass. Then Yavanna said to him, Hera is merciful. Now I see that thy heart rejoiceth, as indeed it may, for thou hast received not only forgiveness, but bounty. Yet because thou hiddest this thought from me until its achievement, thy children will have little love for the things of my love. They will love first the things made by their own hands, as doth their father. They will delve in the earth, and the things that grow and live upon the earth they will not heed. Many a tree shall feel the bite of their iron without pity. But Aule answered, That shall also be true of the children of Iluvatar, for they will eat and they will build. And though the things of thy realm have worth in themselves, and would have worth if no children were yet to come, yet Eru will give them dominion, and they shall use all that they find in Arda, though not by the purpose of Eru, without respect or without gratitude. Not unless Melkor darkened their hearts, said Yavanna, and she was not appeased, but grieved in heart fearing what might be done upon Middle-earth in days to come. Therefore she went before Manwe. She did not betray the counsel of Aule, but she said, King of Arda, is it true, as Aule hath said to me, that the children, when they come, shall have dominion over all things of my labour, to do as they will therewith? It is true said Manway. But why dost thou ask? For thou hast no need in the teaching of Aule. Then Yavanna was silent and looked into her own thought, and she answered, Because my heart is anxious, thinking of the days to come. All my works are dear to me. Is it not enough that Melkor should have marred so many? Shall nothing that I have devised be free from the dominion of others? If thou hast thy will, what would thou reserve? said Manway. Of all thy realm, what thou hold dearest? All have their worth, said Yavanna and each contributes to the worth of others. But the Kelvar can flee and defend themselves, whereas Olvar that grow cannot. And among these I hold trees dear, long in the growing, swift shall they be in the felling, unless they pay toll with fruit upon bough, little mourned in their passing. So I see in my thought, would that the trees might speak on behalf of all things that have roots, and punish those that wrong them. That is a strange thought, said Manway. Yet it was in the song, said Yavanna, for while thou wert in the heavens, and with Olmo built the clouds and poured out the rains, I lifted up the branches of great trees to receive them, and some sang to Iluvatar amid the wind and the rain. And then Manway fell silent 
and the thought of Yovana that she had put into his heart grew and unfolded, and it was beheld by Iluvatar. Then it seemed to Manway that the song rose once more about him, and he heeded how many things therein that though he had heard them, he had not heeded before. And at last the vision was renewed, but it was not now remote, for he himself within it, and yet he saw that all was upheld by the hand of Iluvatar. And the hand entered in, and from it came forth many wonders that had until then been hidden from him in the hearts of the Aina. Then Manwe woke, and he went down to Yavanna upon Ezeloha, and he sat beside her beneath the two trees. And Manwe said, O Kementari, Eru hath spoken, saying, Do then any of the Valar suppose that I did not hear all the song, even the least sound of the least voice? Behold, when the children awake, then the thought of Yavanna will awake also, and it will summon spirits from afar, and they will go among the Kelva and the Olva, and some will dwell therein and be held in reverence, and their just anger shall be feared. For a time, while the firstborn are in their power, and while the secondborn are young. But dost thou not now remember, Commentari, that thy thought sang not always alone? Did not thy thought and mine meet also, so that we took wing together like great birds that soar above the clouds? that also shall come to be by the heed of Iluvatar. And before the children awake there shall go forth with wings like the wind of the eagles of the lords of the west. And Yavanna was glad, and she stood up, reaching her arms towards the heavens and said, I shall climb the trees of Kementari, that the eagles of the king may house therein. But Manwe rose also, and it seemed that he stood to such a height that his voice came down to Yavanna as from the pass of the winds. Nay, he said, only the trees of Aule shall be tall enough. In the mountains the eagle shall house, and hear the voices of those who call upon us. But in the forest shall walk the shepherds of the trees. Then Manwe and Yavanna parted for that time and Yavanna returned to Aule and he was in his smithy pouring molten metal into a mold. Eru is bountiful, she said. Now let thy children beware for they shall walk in a power in the forest whose wrath they will arouse at their peril. Nonetheless, they will have need of wood said Aule, and he went on with his smith work. Very smithy, isn't it? I like that. He's like, gosh, silly woman. He's like in his, in his man cave, or like, uh, yeah, just in his, in his workshop, just like, 
<laughs> he just had a fight with Yovana. Like, oh, he was so impatient and he's regretting a little bit of what he did. And now he's just in his smithy. We've all been there pouring, you know, molten right. metal. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like her. I, I like her, her sense of uh, purpose. And I like her sense of um, like her worth in the, in, in Arda. Like she, um, she's needed there. Like, and there are things there that they're not aware of um, that have value too. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice touch. Dude, I really appreciate your character voices. Yeah. Thank you. I yeah. got a little confused towards the end. I didn't know if I was doing that way or <laughs> I'll I, I wish we could get James Earl Jones. Is he, is he still alive for um, Iluvatar or something? Oh, yeah. You know, That'd just like so a big good. booming voice. Yeah, or, you, the only uh, person. Khan. Well, no, you just need uh, what's his face, uh, Andy Circus, hmm. to do all the voices. <laughs> yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> He did He's the Hobbit, movie. right? Recently, he did the Hobbit and the and all the Lord of the Rings trilogy, um, and it is it is prob- it's better than movie- movies. It's incredible. Mm. I highly recommend it. Go to audible.com <laughs> and sign up. <laughs> we'll we'll have a affiliate link, right, not Cameron? A <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> sure, not yeah. a sponsor. Maybe a sponsor. Check the link description and. But if you want a double cheeseburger. <laughs> Go to In and Out <laughs> and ask for the number two. That's okay, right. one. That's right. I, there's a, a, a paragraph that I just put an entire box around because um, it's such a beautiful way to explain the dwarves. Um, is this conflict between um, Aule and Yavanna? that he hid his work from her. And she says, because thou hiddest this thought from me until its achievement, thy children will will have little love for the things of my love. So it's like their music, you think of like two spouses and like, yeah, you work best together. The more you communicate and your, your household can flourish more, the more you communicate. But then you extrapolate that into a cosmic level it's like, okay, you have Aule built, creating the dwarves, and they don't have the love of the created things of nature because Aule didn't talk to Yavanna about his creation. So that their love didn't overlap. Mm-hmm. And so now that, go, that go, trickles all the way down to the dwarves. It's just amazing. Only Tolkien could have put that, put that description together. Yeah. I would say this as well, like we're, uh, I'm not mistaken in this, right? This is the first time that we've had some lengthy dialogue, right? There hasn't been. Yeah, Yeah, I was kind of jealous that you got to read that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, that that back and forth, like this style, like allows for um, conflict, I guess, Mm -hmm. in, in the story in a way that hasn't been sort of put before where we're actually hearing different points of view. And like you said, Cameron, you know, you've got the husband kind of wife um, sort of situation where where she's explaining to him, like, because she did this, like, <laughs> they're not going to take me seriously. Um, and it's very visual because it's like they have axes and I have trees. 
and axes and trees go together like oil and vinegar like it's <laughs> it's <laughs> they're not designed um oil and vinegar actually go together really well yeah so do axes and trees in a certain sense because axes <laughs> chop down trees and that's the purpose of them but, <laughs> but like they don't they don't mix like on the surface of things and yet Iluvatar will bring a good out of this in the future um the one thing that struck me specifically about that they're back and forth and i i don't know if you guys were able to catch it or or can fact check me rather not catch it fact check me Iluvatar rebukes um Aule and in that rebuke he's using anachronistic language these and thou's right it's more uh we would call it formal in our day and age now but the is actually more personal and if you notice that um yavana also utilized that way of speaking to her husband and so there's this like there's almost a, an appealing sense in their language to each other um I, I don't know i don't know if you picked up on that i because i i pretty sure Aule was not using it but i i actually don't remember i could be really wrong and this is embarrassing if i am i'm pretty embarrassed because um i think whenever they talk it's thys and thous um even that, even Aule. i think so i think that's yeah. just the language can you find of me a quote of it i found one i did find one of Aule. Uh, yeah okay he says he answers her that shall also be true of the children of Iluvatar, for they will eat and they will build and though the things of thy realm have worth in themselves and would have worth if no children were to come yet air will give them dominion okay so that's Aule speaking well okay still the the point here is the, the these and the thous, I mean, mm -hmm. we've lost this, we've lost this sense in modern language because these and thou sound so formal and so stupid right. to modern man. But in reality, like, again, Catholic, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee is very different than saying Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Because in the thee and thou have this kind of personal nature to them that you is more of an informal address of someone. So it's just interesting that he is because in his writing, it's not thousand these in descriptions, right? It's specifically with the Valar, right, and with Iluvatar, because even the elves, I, as far as I remember, they they don't talk to the hobbits like that, and the hobbits certainly don't talk to each other like that. There's just right, there's almost yeah. like an elevated language that they're using that is. Um, more personal hmm. to our minds formal but to theirs it's personal i i think i don't know if people caught this but um it's in the first sentence that the dwarves were made based on what aule thought the children of men would be like <laughs> which is so funny to think about like okay he has this picture based on the music of Iluvatar. And like he understands that Iluvatar will will have these children upon Middle Earth, and they'll they'll look a certain way, and the way Aule thinks they'll look is 
the way dwarves look just these short <laughs> sturdy bearded you know it's just it's funny to me that when we sweep dwarves and men and elves together it's like dwarves are what Owl I thought they would look like mm-hmm. uh, kind of a mistaken view of a, of a man or an elf that's so that's so endearing to me <laughs> yeah I like this whole passage of the account of um, the creation of the, the dwarves I think that's that's another one of those mm-hmm. um, dynamics of conflict between not between spouses but between father and son mm. and Iluvatar is very stern with him but there's mercy in that too. And I, I remember reading it the first time there's that moment where, uh, Ale repents of this and he's asking for forgiveness and he lifts up his hammer to smite yeah. the doors and, and Iluvatar explains what, like they don't have a mind of their own. If you stop thinking of them, they'll just sit idle. And I remember mm-hmm. catching it when I read it, that, uh, when he lifts up his hammer, they shrink back in terror and, that's contrary to what Iluvatar just said, that they don't have a mind of their own. If if they didn't have a mind of their own, they would have just submitted to being smashed. Um, but Iluvatar, in his mercy, decides to give them life in a way that they didn't have before. And um, even though there's some punishment in that and some... Uh, it was obviously a bad decision. <laughs> it was out of impatience that he did this to begin with. Iluvatar is able to, again, take that and shape it into something good. It seems like, to me, the way I read it is if it was just Owle creating them, they would be kind of mindless robots. Right. It would just be, like you said, stationary. But Iluvatar... Um, insoles them. Does, yeah, in some sense, insoles them and gives them their own personality and freedom. And that's the spark of Iluvatar in them. Mm-hmm. So that they're no longer just the creations of Owlay. So he right. he blesses them in their way. And then that makes me think of, it's so cool that the dwarves have their own mythology of their maker, who is Owlay. Mm-hmm. And they call him Mahal. Um, and that they their hope one day is that they'll be numbered among the children of Iluvatar. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? They have this mythology and this hope. So, to be numbered among the I don't, I don't know why I have it in my mind, but I definitely took it differently than you both said it, I think. It, in, in that they, they're created by Aule, but they don't have a mind that's separate from him, meaning, meaning that their very breath and everything that they do is wholly dependent upon Aule. It was, and, yes. And he, um, he doesn't realize that. Like, you've... It's like, you know, a kid who brings home a bird that has a broken wing, right? And puts it in a shoebox at their house. And it's like, okay, now what do you plan to do with it, seven-year-old child? Like, (laughs) um, because this thing is dependent upon you now. You need to feed it, drink it, like give it water, somehow nurse its wing back to health, and and then maybe it can have a life of its own. But you are responsible for it you misstep and these things will suffer and so like the punish it seems to me that the punishment that Louvatar is giving to them giving to him is that like okay you got to understand that they only exist because of you and they are dependent upon you and it's not my problem it's your problem and Hmm. therefore your punishment is so be it they shall exist and i have nothing to do with them 
and you have to look after them. Um, I don't. I. Th I don't think I am seeing it that way. That's that's weird. I don't know why I'm why I'm thinking that, but it's like so. It's these sentences here. Dost thou not see that these things have now a life of their own and speak their own voices? Like there's a there's a responsibility. There's a dignity to the fact that they are living things. Um. Like, Ale cast down his hammer. Is glad they're living. So there's a responsibility to that. Um, I, th wait, I think wait, it's wait, like, I mean, he shouldn't kill them because they have their own um, personality and their own um, life, like their own dignity. They have a dignity now that uh, Iluvatar gave them that they didn't have when they were mindless automatons. But mm -hmm. he, But they don't. It's almost like they don't, they're not the children of Iluvatar, right? They are the well, children. Well, he calls them his, his children by adoption, as compared adoption, to his children yeah. by choice. Yeah, yeah, which is a weird way of saying it because it's like adopting is more can often be more of a choice than is always a choice. Adopting is always a choice, and having mm. a child is not always a choice. Um, it's sometimes. But then Christ, <laughs> Christ is the Son of God. And we are the adopted children of God. Yeah. In that sense, we're like the dwarves. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's just it's just interesting. I, ju I always thought of it as Aule being... Uh, he is humbly disobedient. You know, like, Greg, a moment ago, you just disrespectfully agreed with me. Like, <laughs> he's humbly disobedient. Um... <laughs> um and in his humble disobedience, like that's where his forgiveness comes from. But the punishment is that you you're in charge of them. That's that's always how I how I read this. Hmm. Um, well, wouldn't he be more in charge of them if he was the one controlling them? Right. He doesn't have to control them anymore. Now they're their own because beings. they speak with their own voices. They have a life of their own. And it seems but, like, but in a sense, he he still cares for them. I mean, he obviously still mm -hmm. cares for them as their creator. But they are. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We'll decide no, yeah, to take yeah, this one, yeah. this conflict and disagreement to our graves. I think. No, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I'm willing to bend on it. I'm just sh sharing that. Like when I first read this, that's what struck me. I thought that's what was going on, but I miss. I think I'm. It was funny it. that you say that because um, I'm, this is not a critique. I I liked how you read with the voices. But you did read it, read it in like kind of a sterner sense yeah, than I heard right. it. Um, I, I heard it more in like a Mufasa yeah. uh, <laughs> reprimanding Simba voice. Like there's like obviously a lot of care and, and, and like, but you know, it's, it's firm and he's encouraging him to grow and learn from this. Um, yeah, it does seem like, like there's not more like than one way to read it too. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Talks about Mandos. I'm excited about Mandos. He's so cool. Yeah. And like when he so when he's Aule, the maker later. whom they call Mahal cares for them and gathers them to Mandos and this the whole set apart. And that he declared to their <sighs> fathers so of all that Luvatar will hallow them and give them a place among the children of the in the end. What a mm -hmm. cool little hopeful thing, as you say. Yeah. But Mandos, yeah. He comes later. How much later? How much do we have to wait for him to start? He's involved in all kinds of stuff. 
Yeah, I, I honestly think he's actually involved with the next reading because we have the captivity of Melkor. If you just look at the title of the next chapter, and that involves Aule and Mondos. Um, Let's go. Here we go. <laughs> so excited. Yeah. Love it. Okay, that's awesome. Thanks so much, people, for joining us this week. Uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and rate us three Silmarils out of three and follow us everywhere at Before the Fellowship and send any comments or questions to Before the Fellowship at e gmail.com. Join us next week as we read the greatest story you've never heard The Silmarillion by J.R.R. R. Tolkien. Mm-hmm.